Welcome to the AMM podcast. I'm Andrew Michael Metter, and I'm here with my friend Jermaine Purifori. What's up, Andrew? Let's All right, talk. so so today we're going to talk about music, but we're going to talk about really anything we want. We're just having a conversation, and the the focus of the podcast is generally around how can we have conversations that will make the world a better place? How can we make society better for all people to live in? So it's just exploring any idea, not afraid to dive into a topic deep. What do you love about the music industry right now? Right now, I love the fact that there isn't so much of a clear divide between major label artists and independent artists, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because of what we're going through with this COVID-19 worldwide pandemic, um, all of us as artists, creators, are all trying to find ways to adjust. And uh, and a lot of the resources that I feel like are available to major label artists um, right now are kind of on hold. So everyone's turning to the power of social media and, uh, and technology to continue to give their fans, you know, music, um, interacting with their fans. Um, I feel like being an independent artist you, you feel like there is a line drawn in the sand there where it's like, you know, the indie hustle is a different hustle clearly. And then the major label hustle is a different hustle clearly. And I think there's pros and cons on both ends. But right now I really feel when it comes to the music industry that all of us as artists, all of us as creators, we're all trying to adjust accordingly. So whether you have a fan base of 500 as opposed to a major artist that has a fan base of 5 million, they're doing what's best to reach their fans, and then you're doing what's best to reach your fans. So whatever your fan base is, you know, whatever influence I have, I'm doing my best to reach those people. And, uh, and, and I feel like there's, it's a sense of unity I feel right now, because as an independent artist, we are uh, sometimes, you know, there's a lack of resources and a lack of things that we have access to. Um, but the one thing that binds us together as musicians, when you take out all the world tours, which are done as of right now, can you take out all the stadium arena tours or whatever, you take out all that stuff, all the millions of records sold and the amount of awards people have won, you take all that out of the equation, what's the common thing that really binds us together is the people, the fans, the people, the consumers. And every artist I feel like right now is doing their best to reach their consumers. And so I, that's what I love right now, currently, about the music industry is that if I do a concert in my living room, Anthony Hamilton is probably doing a concert, which he did do a concert, so he didn't even finish watching it. Um, because he, like myself, now he has much more of a broader audience to reach because he's got a bigger fan base. Clearly, I'm not as well known, I'm independent. Um, so I'm not even close to that, but I still have an audience, but I'm still reaching my audience the same way that he is in some way. So I, I feel like there's a sense of unity and togetherness right now. In this industry. We're all just trying to make music speak and music is a universal language. So I guess it's not so much even about the industry right now. There is really like not an industry right now. It's making everybody get back to the root of what we are as musicians, which is the love of the music. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Music. Now it's cueing the violin music. I know I sound so cheesy and sad. It's like now <laughs> the violin music comes in and I'm just rolling the credits. No, 
super cheesy, but I feel like we're so unified right now as musicians. Yeah. I like, I like asking that question because at, at least for me and some other people I've talked to, it's so easy and it's so quick to snap onto what you hate about the music industry right now. Like one of my biggest laments is I feel like if you want to go into music, you've got to sell t-shirts mm -hmm. because we're giving away our music, the stuff that we're pouring our spirits into our souls, our hard work, our mm -hmm. time. And then we're not making any money. So let's build a brand and let's sell t-shirts and let's sell stickers and do all these things. And it's like, man, I want like, I thought being a musician, you would just get to make music, but there's this whole other side to it. Many other sides. <laughs> the music making is the fun part. That's yeah. the fun part. All the other logistics and the politics that come along with it. But see, that's what I mean. I totally agree with what you said. It's so easy to talk about what you hate about the music business. And, and you ask me the question, what do you love about it? It's almost like, well, wait, what do I, because your mind goes to, excuse me, the things that, that suck about the music business, because there are parts of the music business that just absolutely suck, excuse my French, but you know, um, I feel like whenever you take those things out of the equation, you know, I don't think any great artist, if you go all the way back from Prince to Michael Jackson to, to Ella Fitzgerald and Frank Sinatra, all people who have influenced me, they just love to do it. I don't think they signed up to want to deal with A&Rs and label executives, mm. publicists. They didn't sign up for that part. Now, you do sign up for it because it comes with the territory, but that's not why they got into it. They got into it because they just love to make music. And yeah. now, because those things, like I said, I'm not saying that they're completely out of the equation as it pertains to the industry, but right now, all of those things, I feel like I put on hold. It's like, whether or not you have a manager or this or whatever, like all the things that, because what I often do sometimes, and I'm sure you do the same thing, and people listening, I'm sure other musicians, you ask yourself, you say, if I only had this, then I could get to this level. If I only had this, if I only had management, if I only had a this, if I only had this kind of backing or these kind of resources, we <laughs> all struggle with that. If I only had this, then I would get to this. But now you're realizing, we're realizing that with hmm. or without that, what we have is we have people who have these things right here, these ears, you know, listeners, consumers, and how do we reach them? Because now nobody's paying tickets to come to a world tour. And even those who have, those tickets are being, you know, returned or refunded or shows are being rescheduled. Right now, it's literally, I feel like it's more about the music than anything else. That's what I love. And I hope that whenever this is all over, whenever that is, um, I hope that that continues because that ultimately is what it's all about. It's about the music. Yeah. More music, more music coming up in the background. I sound so cheesy, Andrew. <laughs> I just want everyone to be together and uni unified. And, you know, that's what music does for people. Music is therapy. Music is a universal language. Whether you, whether you sing, whether you play, music affects everyone. The power of music. And I feel like right now, it's, it, for me, it's become that much more magnified. Whereas a lot of what can happen in the music business, there can be a lot of indulgence. 
give a lot of people who make music just for themselves. And I'm like, I can't do that. I could just sing by myself here at my house if I wanted to do that. I, I want to make music with people. I want to move people. I want to touch people. That's why mm -hmm. I do it. That's what keeps me on the road. That's what makes me want to go on stage and grab a microphone is knowing that I can have a moment with the people. And we're missing that right now because we as performers don't get the chance to connect with people in a live show. But mm -hmm. we still have the opportunity to connect. You're doing it because you're still putting out music in this time of quarantine, 2020. <laughs> Which, by the way, congratulations on your video game uh, soundtrack today. I just saw it. Thank you. Sponsored on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, and Kimmy's version comes out today. Today? I'm Yep, I'm waiting for it to show up on Spotify. It says it's released, but it's not showing up yet. So I'm just waiting okay. to pull the trigger on it. So one of the things that in my mind, you mentioned, you know, if I only had this, then it, then I would have it all. For me, I'm really trying to get to that 10,000 follower mark on Instagram because then your business settings change and you can send people directly to whatever link you want I feel like the biggest hurdle for me is getting people to make the effort to go to iTunes, go to Spotify, type in my long name, Andrew Michael Matter, spell it wrong, and then get them <laughs> to click through five different times just to click on this song that they're going to hear. They don't even know me. They've got no investment in me as an artist. And so, so that's my thing. That's my one, oh, if this happened, you know, then it's on. But I try and keep that more as a goal instead of this boulder that I'm hauling up the mountain carrying with me right, along right. the way. Right, right, right. I feel your pain. Well, because my last name, Purifoy, let everyone not only spell it wrong, but pronounce it wrong. And I've had people in my career, they've offered just in deals that I've been in in the past, just throughout the course of these. Uh, 11 years that I've been doing music professionally, there are people like, you ever thought about having like a stage name or what about this, what about that? I'm like, no, like, I like my name. They're like, but like, nobody can't say it. Like, don't you want somebody to like be a person? I'm like, yeah, but like, I don't, the stage name thing just don't work. I like my name, you know, it's, it's mm. weird and different. Purifory is not very common, but uh, it's not. Yeah. So I feel your pain, Mr. Meter. I was calling you Meter. Until you gave me the whole, what is it, the hashtag that people come up with for weddings? You said you and your wife was like something. Oh, yeah. Good, matter, best. Good, matter, best. That's the first time I was like, oh, so that's how you said it. Because I was showing up calling you meter. Whenever I was first getting, I was like, when I was asking people about you, uh, I was talking to Carl, Kimmy. I'm like, hey, I was like, so I met this meter dude, like Andrew Meter. And didn't nobody correct me, though. See, nobody told me I was saying it wrong. I guess they didn't catch it. <laughs> yeah it's funny you say that because you know i've i've thought a lot about choosing a name and my my wife's maiden name is good just g-o-o-d it's simple it's perfect it's it's unmispronounceable and so i thought hey you know i'm gonna start releasing music again and i think i'm gonna use andrew good it is nice simple it's short and can't be construed any other way mm -hmm. but I was just talking to people and one of the points that my wife brought up was don't 
don't choose something that could become a like a literary convention against you like seeing reviews come up andrew good's latest album really bad mm. <laughs> and then then like just like flipping it and like sticking your name into you like a knife and so i was good. like no good yeah <laughs> andrew you heard his latest good. single no i honestly didn't think about that hmm, andrew good yes that it, it could be a setup you know i i honest i i agree with that do you feel like like what about your middle name my middle name is Kali, c-a-l-i-p-h Kali. oh that's beautiful uh jermaine Kali purifoy um you could just you could just have one of those one word names like Brittany, Demi, Khalif. Mm-hmm. Jermaine Khalif Purifoy. My my uncle gave that name to me, um, and me and my brother. He my dad let my uncle give us our middle names. So Jermaine mm-hmm. Khalif, C A L I P H. I like it. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've not incorporated it in anything. You know that I do, you know, uh, and it's different, obviously, as well. So, but I appreciate the compliment. I'm glad you like it because most people think that's weird too. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, I didn't name myself. So, all right. So, talk to us about things that you don't like about the music industry right now. Things you would change because you're a touring artist. You write your own music, but you also do a lot of situations and gigs where you're singing other people's songs so i feel like you've got a wide breadth of exposure to the industry that a lot of people might not have so yeah what what don't you like about it what would you change to make it better what would i change to make things better in the industry i would change um probably gonna sound like a bunch of people here but I would change a lot of the stereotypes that come with being in the music business. Like, uh, if you're this, then you need to be doing this style of music. If you're that, then you need to be doing that style of music. There's so many boxes that people place you in. And having been signed at one point um, and having had dealings with record labels, even negotiating whether they happen or not, you know, I've had several meetings and signed a deal before, had a production deal, had an artist development deal. You know, you really feel like, speaking of video games, you feel like you're this character that they're creating. Hmm. Like they're building, you know how you can create a character. I'm not into video games, but when I was a kid, I did play a little bit, but I I love how you can create a character, literally. Yeah, you can customize it, the clothes and Mm -hmm. everything. That's what I feel like a lot of people in the music business try to do. Mm-hmm. They try to literally make you into something like, you know, I've been told everything from cut your hair, grow it back out, uh, don't talk so southern, uh, uh, I don't know, lose weight, gain weight, wear tight jeans, wear baggy clothes. I literally have been that. And, you know, when you're younger in the business and you just really don't know, you're just very green behind the ears, no pun intended for my green shirt but you just green behind the ears hmm. and you don't know. So you just kind of become a chameleon. Okay, good. I'll do that. I'll go my hair out. Okay, good. I'll cut it. Okay, good. I'll try to talk differently. Like I went through this phase where I was trying to talk more like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like rapper, like, 
we can't, I see, I can't even do it right now. I know? can't even imagine you, like, I can't imagine that being you. Because it ain't. That's why, <laughs> that's why I told you before, I am, listen, I'm from Cleveland, Tennessee. I am country, I'm goofy, you know. I'm very urban, but I'm the I'm everything but a thug, okay? So when I've had people tell me, you know, dress more baggy, I'm wearing these baggy clothes. Oh my God, I can find pictures for you. Um, I'm wearing these baggy clothes and trying to be all more like, like the swag of a rapper. You know, it's like, uh, oh my God. See, because I'm an actor as well, I know what it's like to play a character, but the cool thing about when you're acting is you're playing a character and you're supposed to be doing that. Um, as a musician, don't really work like that because, mm it's not believable. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, I went through this phase where I wanted to be the sexy R&B guy. Now, I'm not going to take off my shirt, okay? I'm just not going to do it. Nobody wants to see that. So when I see a lot of the R&B guys who do it, I applaud it. I do. But it just ain't going to be me. But I went through this phase where I wanted to be more sexy and more of this. And so all my photo shoots were like me. You know, I can't even do it. I can't even do it. I'm like, dude, I've been on events where I'm just like, look, I, I'm just goofy. I can't. I really cannot. I have to embrace all sides of me. And that is what I would change is that I wish a lot of times in the music business, primarily mm -hmm. in when it comes to the recording industry, is that people would just let people be themselves. Some people are successful at this, but for the most part, I can only speak from my experience and a lot of other friends that I've had in the music business where people just try to change it. You know, sing more like this, sing more straight tone, add more vibrato, do more runs, do less runs. I mean, I can have a whole list of everything, and it literally reminds me of when someone has a controller and they're in a video game, and they're like, mm -hmm. well, let me create this character. Once you, you want them to have blonde hair, you want to do this, tall, short, skinny, this, whatever, and then you have built this character to your liking. And that is what, uh, that's what stunts, I feel like, a lot of people's growth as, as artists is because a lot of times, I say this from experience, you're trying to be something that you're not. And the people will sift it out mm -hmm. because that's what happened to me. It's like, dude, you're, you're not, that's not you. It's not you. Even if some other people are telling you that this is going to work, you know, um, that is one of the major things. It's like top three on my list of things. It's just whatever you bring, your weird, quirky, whatever self, whoever you are, let them be that person and let them pour that into their art because it's going to be honest and it's going to be authentic. You know what I'm saying? It's mm -hmm. not going to be trying, even the way I would write, I would try to write from a different perspective to whatever character I was playing. Like I said, me being an actor as well, I get what it means to have to become a character. But the cool thing about acting is that when the, you know, I've done a lot of theater, when the curtains close, you're not that character anymore. You don't have to be that character anymore until mm -hmm. you come back to the stage. So as a musician, you'll drive yourself crazy because you're constantly trying to play this character in this role of someone that you're not. And God forbid if you get a few of these applauses of people, because you can fool some people. Some people are easily fooled. I fooled a lot of people with whatever character I was trying to play. Um, and some people, I fooled them and I got affirmed for it. And once I got that affirmation, I was like, yep, I'm on the right path. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Hmm. And and wrong because in the grand scheme of things you are you're faking yourself out you ain't let's let's take people out of the equation you are playing yourself you faking yourself out because it ain't who you are you know so i'm just to this place now where i fully embrace every bit of me my goofy southern 
themselves. Okay. <laughs> um, you like it, great. You don't, great. You know what I'm saying? And I want that music industry because that I think will breed more of the artists that we see as legendary. I don't think anybody, to, Aretha was going to be Aretha Franklin, despite what anybody told her to be. You know, all the greats, a whole list of them. But the music industry is made up of people with a controller, uh, trying to control artists to make them into a product that they want them to be for their own personal gain. Mm -hmm. So how did you feel about being told to lose weight I mean, I was thinking I'm skinny enough. I was like, especially at that. Oh my god! Mm. Oh god! I was, I was like super thin. I mean, I'm still pretty skinny and lean now, but you know, earlier on, in some of those earlier days of, you know, man, I was like, dude, I don't. Do you see me? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I, man, and so then you find yourself like, you know, if I could be honest, like watching what goes in your mouth and you see why these people go through these eating disorders and stuff like that. And they think it's just women. It ain't. Hmm. They think it's just females. It ain't. Now I never had an eating disorder, but I went through a phase where I was just like, well, I gotta eat more because, cause then I was told it's crazy. Cause it's like, they all intertwine. You have one person telling you you lose weight and you can be like the skinny emo black guy. Here again, we're building a character. You can be like emo with a soulful voice and be skinny, wear skinny jeans. So be like super thin. And it's like, but do know you need to gain weight. You should be more like thick and, you know, so the baggy clothes don't look as, as big on you. Oh my God. Like me just even saying all this stuff, but these are all things that will come at me all the time. So mm -hmm. it's like you go throughout the day feeling like you're 25 different people. And then when you lay your head down at night, you're like, who am I? Like, <laughs> who am I? You know? So it made me feel at the time, I mean, it, I felt like I had to do it. I literally was a yes man for everything earlier on in my career. Like I had the yes man disease, dude. I, mean, I, had, it, I had it bad. I was like, okay, yes, 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 yes. What do you think? If you think, oh, I should sing higher. We'll sing higher. You want to sing lower? I'll sing lower. You want to do this? I'll wear this. I was such a yes man. I'll take this gig, take that gig. Whatever people wanted me to do, I had the approval addiction. Um, the ultimate people pleaser. So if people who were the powers that be uh, told me to do something, I felt like I had to do it. Even if it's, you know, at the expense of me um, robbing myself of who I am, you know? So that only added more fuel to the fire of my already brewing identity crisis. Now we're not just talking as a musician, now as a person. We didn't talk about music, who you are on stage. I don't know who I am. And those early, a lot of, I don't know who I was, just me in general, like as a person. Because it's so busy trying to please everyone. So that's how it made me feel. It made me feel like, okay, you say so, I'll do it. Hmm. Do you feel like there was any aspect of it where, like, if there's two extremes, one was, hey, we're suggesting these things because we really think it's beneficial for your career. We really think that this is what can take you to that next level. Or was it them trying to exert control over you, like break you down and get you into a mindset where, okay, like we've got to get this guy. So he trusts us 
And so he can, you know, do whatever we say. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of both. I think there were people that I've worked with throughout the course of my career who um, I thought they had my best interest. And later on, their true motives just kind of surfaced and showed up. And I realized, oh, that's why. Um, Excuse me, going back to the product thing, you feel like you're a product. I feel like I've worked with people. Now, I feel like I've worked with people who did have my best interest. Um, But you know, I felt like it was some control, but in reality, it was more so what you said first. I think these people, was re- they were really convinced, like, this is what you need to do. You know, I've had managers or whatever that say, I need to be, be a gospel artist, be a, you need to do trap music, you need to do this music, you need to do, okay, pop, electronic. Like, I've, and I think that more so than just control, I think that some of these people were just really convinced at that time that that was what was going to work. And that's the other thing about the music industry. You know, in the music business, you have so many people a lot of times who are trying to chase what they feel like is whatever working for other people. And a lot of the people that I've worked with, if I can get $5 once again for every time I've heard that, uh, you know, this is what everyone's doing now. You hear that sound on the radio. This is what so-and-so's doing. This is what so-and-so's mm-hmm. doing. This is how they're dressing. This is how they're singing. This is how they're... And I'm like, okay, because we're automatically going to be influenced by that because we're hearing it and seeing it as consumers. So then you try to become what you see is successful for somebody else. And then you have people who are working for you and with you telling you, you need to become that. So they're convinced that that's what's working for that artist. That's what you need to do. Only problem with that is just because it's working for that artist don't mean it's going to work for me. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what works for them. Even if we take all the necessary steps, whatever steps they took, it still may not work for, for me. They might have a hit song with that producer. That don't mean I'm gonna have a hit song if I work said producer. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like it was a little bit of both. I think it was some control, but I also think a lot of the people that I've dealt with in the music business are people who really were convinced. And here again, we're talking in the earlier years. You know, once I, around about uh, 2016, 17, was when I start, the light started kind of clicking for me. So we're not talking, so this is within the past like maybe three or four years that I've just been kind of on this journey of understanding that you have to follow your heart and what you feel is best for you. But starting in 2009, you know, I just kind of jumped in whatever pool you felt like I was supposed to fit in, I would try my best to make it work. It's like a piece of a puzzle. You try your best to fit it in there mm-hmm. and, and you realize it just does not work. So I think, I think that it was a little bit of both. Hmm. How important do you feel your appearance as an artist is? I think image and appearance is very important. You know, I just think it's uh, your approach to it. You know, um, I like artists, you know, because when you see the cover artwork for an album, an EP or a single, the cover art is going to be drawn to it. Um, Whether it's nice graphics or whether it's you, you know, um, and so I, I, I think it's, it's definitely important how you appear. I just don't think you should become obsessed with it, um, hmm. of how you look. And, you know, I think there just has to be here again, the B word balance. Um, but image is important. Like, how do you want to come across as an artist? You know, but I do, I do believe that people gravitate, here again, to authenticity. So, like, if you create this image of this perfectly made person, you know, I don't think that everyone's going to connect with that. 
you know, I like when artists, you know, post and social media has given this opportunity for an artist, you see them made up. And speaking of idols, you know, I heard Kelly Clarkson say this like the other day. And um, I love her. She's one of my favorite artists. And she's so down to earth. Um, but she was like, when people see me out, they're like, "You are you Kelly Clarkson? And she's like, I am. No, you're not. Oh my God, you're not. She was like, okay, well, I'm not. Okay, but you are. She was like, oh, well, we're just going to go back and forth. She was like, I know. I know. <laughs> she said, because when I go out, I have my hat on, my hoodie, and no makeup. And she said, I'm not dressed. She was like, I'm made up when you see me on television. And yada, yada, yada. It's like, if you look at her Instagram, sometimes she's just hanging out at the ranch with her husband and her kids or whatever. And I think that people like to see that side of it. They don't always want to see just the, the glorified, made up, photo shoot version of artists they want to see you be real like with a cap and you know a, a sweatshirt and some sweatpants on sometimes just say hey i'm hanging out at the house you know so uh -huh. I, I don't know i, I think that it, it is important but i just don't think it should become something that literally you know uh, it rules out everything else because so many people concentrate so much on that to the point where the music it's not even secondary to music. It's like last. It's like, how do I look? How do I this? Like, oh, wait. Mm. Now, what are your songs saying? Like, what's the message in your music? Like, what do you want to talk about? You look great, but um, what's the message in your music? Jermaine, it's 2020. No one cares what you've got to say. Just give us a club banger so we can dance to it. Mm. I hate that. <laughs> I hate every part of it. And that's not saying that every song has to be a message song about love and life. But I'm saying even if, no matter what it is, if the music is speaking, you know, let the music speak. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I come from being that, you know, that I toured with the impressions as a lead singer, standing in the shoes of Curtis Mayfield, standing on the shoulders of history, you know, um, that whole tour, just realizing that I'm traveling with gentlemen who own up to be my granddaddy. And they're still out on the road doing it. And the stories and the lessons that they <laughs> told me and taught me, you know, were like, to be great, man, you got to have something to say. It's not going to last. Now, what mm -hmm. you just described, that'll last for the moment, I believe. It will. But that's it. It's the moment. My mentor in college used to say the word fad, the acronym for it is for a day. It's a fad because tomorrow there'll be a new sound. Tomorrow people will be using new sonic sounds in production. It's like if you're always following a fad, that means you're always going to be running and chasing after something and you never quite feel like you attain it. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. um, and that's what they taught me. They told me stories of when they toured with the Temptations, Smokey Robinson, Gladys Knight, and Aretha Franklin, and all these greats. You know, he was like, and that's what they said. They were like, you got to have something to say in your music. Because anybody can make music. Listen, if you know how to do, at this point in time, because of, if you got an interface and a laptop, whatever, you can make a beat, put out music. And I don't know, you can just say a bunch of lyrics that don't make sense. And people might love it. You know what I'm saying? But and more power to that, but I'm just saying, I think true longevity comes from when you have something to say. 
Here mm-hmm. again, that's not saying every song has to be some deep song that has this deeper meaning. Even if it's a song that's about having fun. Lionel Richie's All Night Long is one of my favorite songs ever. And all he's talking about is, let's just have a party. We're going to party all night long. You know what I mean? Just having something, whatever your message is, you know, let it speak. And let it be something that can still speak decades from now. So much of what we're hearing mm. is not going to have that kind of longevity. We're going to be playing a lot of this music for our grandkids, dude. Like, whatever <laughs> kids are <laughs> they're not gonna want to hear let's tear the club up no they might god only knows what music will be by then but i'm just of the belief um that whenever you know music is that language that when words fail like the quote says you know music definitely speaks mm-hmm. I, can, I can just imagine kids sitting around their grandmother Grandma, what's a red bottom? <laughs> well, got to get a little older before I explain it to you. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, like I said, I appreciate music in general. Even if something is not my cup of tea, I appreciate it. Everything's not my cup of tea. I'm mm-hmm. not everybody's cup of tea, you know. I've said this in another interview I did. It's like music is like a buffet. You go to a buffet, what do you have? You got plenty of stuff to choose from. You got a salad bar, you got a dessert bar, you got you got meat, and you know, you got everything. Whatever you're in the mood for is what you go and put on your plate. Now it may not be what I'm in the mood for, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it's still available to you. That's what you want. So I may go straight to the salad bar. You may go straight to dessert. I don't know. Whatever fancies you, that's what music is. So even something that may or may not be my cup of tea, I still have an appreciation for it. I'm just not gonna put it on my plate and eat it. Yeah. Starting out, like when I started releasing music again, like two and a half years ago, I felt like every song has got to be packed to the brim with meaningfulness and intention and deliberate message. And I kind of got (laughs) worn out from having that mentality. And so then I, I just gave myself some, some leisure and some creative license and now I feel like I'm in a really good spot where I'm making music that I want and I'm saying what I want to say, but I've also got a lot more like silliness and fun mm-hmm. in my music too. So I've got a good balance, but I think, I think it is easy to feel like, Oh, if I put out this one song, then all like all my new followers are going to hear the song or just going to think I'm this, or just going to think I'm that because I feel like it's so rare for people to hear a song and then go and check out all of your other work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we have literally used that word balance quite a mm-hmm. bit, not just in this, but in our conversations that you and I had. I think that's what it's all about. Life is balance. Yeah. Before we went live, we were talking about the difference right now, like sometimes you feel like you should be, you're happy to have free time, but at the same time, it's like, wait, I should be doing something. I want to feel like I'm being productive all the time. But then there are just moments where, you know what? No, I just want to eat some cookies and cream, ice cream, and watch, <laughs> binge watch whatever one of my favorite TV shows is. It's like, I don't have to be productive at every waking minute. You know, like you can give yourself that license. Balance. Balance. So that's not even, that's not even just a music lesson. That is a life lesson. And so creating that balance of 
you got some songs that are going to be super emotional, but then you got your fun stuff. You know, some of the more emotional songs that I've written, no one has, <laughs> except for maybe me and maybe one or two other people, some, none. Um, and when I'm ready for people to hear them, I'm going to put it out because I want people to know I'm more, I'm the fun guy all day. I want to be that. I want to be the fun dude. I love being, having fun, laughing or whatever. But I also have that vulnerable side to me that, you know, that I keep. I won't say hidden, but I keep it protected because that vulnerability, not everyone is, not everyone will know how to take that. Um, so, mm-hmm. but as a musician, I need to release that to people because someone else is in that same place. And some of these songs are songs I've written years ago mm-hmm. that are still relevant even now. So, you know, it's, it's the balance, man. Having balance, and in general, uh, just because you can't be super, super deep all the time. You will drive yourself crazy, but then you mm-hmm. can't be super, duper happy all the time. That's not a real thing. We're just not, you're not going to be happy all the time, you know? Like, um, you may go through, we go through different emotions throughout the day before we go back to sleep at night. So, you know, it's just, um, that's why I say musically, like, what kind of, what, Coming to the studio, whatever, sometimes it's like, you know, what what am I feeling right now? I don't know. Am I feeling sad? Am I feeling happy? What am I feeling? Am I feeling anything? Do I even have to identify what I'm feeling? Let's just make music. And sometimes the music itself will, you know, lend itself to whatever it is you're feeling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's my favorite. Whenever you come to the studio with no group, it is like, okay, we're going to craft some stuff or whatever, and then something is birthed out of it. You know, so balance, balance is the key. So what are your future projects coming up? So you're, you're working on music to release. That's a good question. I am, I am, I haven't working on music um, set to release this year. Uh, I go back and forth, you know, I am, I am that guy. I am a complete, just like, uh, I'll be sold on an idea. It's like when you come to the studio and you hear a song one day and you love it and then like you hear it the next day, you come and it's like, I don't like it. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's not even a music thing, but just trying to figure out how to strategically release it the right way. Um, obviously mm-hmm. with everything that's going on now, it's even made me adjust more. Um, so there is new music that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, right now we're just putting some finishing touches on it and um, I'm trying to find the right way. Timing is everything, you know. You know um, how to put it out and um, and it have uh, the effect that I would like for it. So yeah, so I'm working on the music. Um, I wanna I wanna ask you before we move on. You said there's some days you go into the studio and you love it. The next day you come in, you hate it. Do you trust those feelings? So, so let's say you're working on a song and you love it, you love it, you love it. And then the next day you hate it. Mm-hmm. So does that mean, I mean, like, it feels like flipping a coin. At what point do you say, this is good. This is not good. I'm going to release this or I'm not. Mm. I trust those feelings because, you know, I'm very in touch with myself. But at the same time, I'm very in touch with myself to know when I'm just overthinking something or I'm just making something out of it that I don't need to. Like, hmm. um, I, you know, 
I can be a bit extra at times. So um, I can hear something in the song and I'm thinking, oh my God, I hear that. And I'm like, dude, Jermaine, no one else is going to hear that. But because I know my voice, I know I don't like my voice today. I don't like to do things like no one else is going to hear it, but you're just critiquing yourself. So mm-hmm. here again, it's a balance between the two. It's like I always want to be very attentive, um, but not so much so I'm so much of a perfectionist to where it, it I think, hinders uh, the process, you know? Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to fight with yourself a little bit to be like, okay, Jermaine, it's good. It's fine. You know, I heard an artist say, you know, one of the hardest things to do with the record, uh, yeah, Bruno Mars, I, I heard him say in an interview, well, I read in the interview where he had said, letting go of the record is so hard because it's like, and he said, I think it was like the Rolling Stone review of uh, his album. He said that even when songs, when he hears songs on the radio, he'll call his guy, his other writing partners, whatever, be like, dude, the snare should have been louder. Like, it's on, it's on the radio now. Like, it's out. The snare is going to be what it's going to be. And he was just like, so even once it's out, he said, it's still like, maybe the snare should have been, or maybe that. And he said, it's just, that's how you are as artists. You have to learn how to just let go of it. Let it mm. live out in the ether. Let it do whatever it's going to do. Us trying to control it, control the outcome or whatever, it's, we grapple with it as artists. And so for, for everyone, every artist is different. Like, they have different limitations. I know when I'm to a point with a song where I'm like, okay, it's done. Leave it alone. Don't touch it. Just leave it alone. And the certain songs, every song is different. Every single song is different. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I think that that's something that's healthy. But also, if if you do it too much, it can really be it can be detrimental because then you'll never put anything out. Because you always you if you leave it up to me, I could pick my voice apart and I'll find something wrong with it every time I hear it. You know, so I can't, that I cannot trust. I have to trust that, okay, dude, it's done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gotta just let it go. Mm-hmm. Learning to let go. I think there's a book called The Art of Letting Go. I don't think it's about musicians, though, but I think it's a book entitled The Art of Letting Go. Um, I can't remember. I'll find out who the author is and I'll let you know. But I think here again, that's a life lesson. Just learning how to just take your hands off stuff and just let go. Mm-hmm. It's because you know you're giving it to other people. You ain't about to just let everybody house it in your house. You ain't about to let everybody just, you know, take care of your cat while you and your wife go out of town. No, because it's important. So you're going to really think, okay, can I trust you? Can I this? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You ain't going to let everybody just drive your car. Um, that's what our music is does. It's like, man, I'm trusting you all, but having to also realize that no matter what, there are going to be people who love it, but if you don't, and we have to be okay with it. That's one of the main things as artists. Back to the whole buffet analogy, you have to be okay with the fact that some people just don't want to put you on their plate. Hmm. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. I'm not. And coming from a guy who had, like I said, the approval addiction, bad being a people pleaser, I want you like my voice. I want you like my It's just not going to happen. It's not possible. So for the person who loves it and will download it and play it every day, there's another person who's going to be like, oh, God, I hate this. You know what I mean? Like, and we have to be prepared. <laughs> That's what you sign up for as an artist. That's what you sign up for is that there are people who love it and people who just don't care for it at all. It sucks because we would love for everyone to love it, you know? But 
that's why we have those moments of is it ready is it ready is it ready is it ready because we're trying to think or if someone hears that part they might not like it even if you go back and tweak it a hundred times it's still gonna be people who don't like it you know what i mean so i'm grateful for that i feel like i've i've done a lot of mental and emotional work around this but trying to get to that point where and i feel like i am there in a really healthy spot where people tell me they like it and I love it. I'm so grateful for that. Someone tells me they don't like it. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. but I don't rise and fall by the tide of their opinions. I have family members who've never downloaded one song. <laughs> 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 I have family members who never really, they bite listens like, oh, I heard you. You know, I've had it to just over the years, like, oh, I heard your song. Or I'm like, oh, okay. And, you know, oh, no, I heard it. I'll, yeah. Good talk. Good talk. Good talk. Glad we had this conversation. No nothing, no. Even if I would almost at that point, you'd be like, I just don't care for it too much. You know, I had a family member who was like, yeah, I heard your song. It's a duet I did with another artist friend of mine who's years ago. We did a singing together. We put it out um, for Valentine's Day. And um, she's like, oh, I heard the song you did with, you know, okay. Yeah. Then it was another one I put out for a short film I was a part of. It was like, oh, yeah, I heard your song. They were like, yeah. And I was like, hmm. Hmm. And? Um, what? You know? <laughs> I said, yeah, I was like, hmm. Just don't bother next time. Just, you know, let's let's not have this awkward exchange ever again. Whether you see it, whether you download it, nothing. Just let's, this is awkward as hell. So we don't need to have this exchange ever again. Um, But I got to be okay because guess what? Just because we family don't mean that, I just may not be your cup of tea and that's cool, you know? Because somebody wants to put me on their plate. There's somebody who I am their cup of tea. Somebody, there are people who appreciate my voice, my style, what I do. And, and I have to, I have to uh, cater to those people. Mm-hmm. I have to make music for those people. And hopefully you can make a believer out of people. And, you know, I, I, we've all been that on the consumer. And with some people, I was like, as artists, I, I didn't care for them too much. And then they started to kind of grow on me. And I'm thinking, man, I wasn't too much of a fan at first but slowly but surely i started to and then you become a fan it's just that's just the way it happens so you have to give people that right you have to give people that right you have to give them that because it is their right they can choose to like it they can choose not to Uh uh-huh so you're you're not signed to any label deals right now are you and do you miss any aspect of that do you miss the Garden of Eden, abundant resources that were available to you, or are you are you better now, better without it? Well, there weren't a lot of abundant resources. You know, I was signed to an independent label. Um, like I said, I've I've had some label meetings over the years, coming off of Idol. You know, uh, hmm. um, after the tour with the Impressions, you know, with some major label execs, you know, but nothing ever come of it. Nothing ever came of it. Uh, the one time I did sign to a label in New York, it was uh, independent label, and there was not many resources at all. Um, so I don't, I don't miss it at all. You know, no bad blood, no, 
but there weren't. Um, there's a lot of hurry up and wait. Um, uh, and then having a production deal in Atlanta, you know, just things just never really fell through. The follow through game in the music business, man, it's just, it's something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the arts development deal just got complicated. That was in Nashville, you know. So I, I think that, uh, yeah, I'm happy I went through all that, but. You know, right now, I'm not saying I'm not anti-label. You know, if there's if there's a situation if there's a situation with the record label that works for that said artist, make it work. So I'm never gonna be that guy's like, stay indie, don't sign, don't sign with the label. I'm thinking there are certain deals that work for certain people. So I'm not gonna discourage artists um, from never signing. Um, I don't like that. I think that if it works for you to sign and you have a mm -hmm. label that really really wants to put the proper amount of support behind you and uh and they can make resources available to you that you don't have within your own you know reach then absolutely you know if i ever was in a situation where it worked again i mean where it worked i'm saying again if it worked um i i, I don't know I'm, i may i definitely have my guard up more of course you learned that but um hmm. if there's a situation that was very you know convenient for me as an artist with the label and it really worked out, I, I definitely would be opposed to it. I feel like the only the only benefit I could get from being on some sort of label would be wider distribution than I already have. Mm -hmm. That would be the one thing I would be looking for. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you, how do you feel about uh, radio because I hear of people I hear it just in the business amongst other people in the business some people say radio doesn't matter anymore we got the internet we got Spotify we got this streams and all types of radio matter like but then I also hear people say dude radio is still one of the most powerful tools ever to get music out like radio play is still mm -hmm. very relevant um, so how do you feel about it I I feel like I I I don't pause. believe there's the pause. I don't I love the pause. <laughs> I don't believe it when people say radio is really important right now. Um, I just, I just, I don't believe that because I'm so jaded because of things like payola record labels paying to get songs out there. I've heard like from multiple people now come out and saying like you need a million dollars to get a song on the radio to like pay people to get it into hands to do different things constant rotation yeah so it's like when am i going to see a million dollars when am i going to have that opportunity um i i feel like that is one channel on a tv right now and on TV, every channel is equally important. Some might be placed, like some might be 230, some might be channel 350. Mm -hmm. But we've got equal access to all the same channels. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's just how I see radio. Yeah, 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 yeah. I believe radio still, I don't listen to the radio, but radio still is a powerful thing for people who still listen to radio. But like you said, I love that. There's so many channels that we have access to. It's all about what channel works for you. Again, like 
there's all these generalizations when it comes to the music business. And here again, in life, when it comes to spirituality, everyone says, you should do this, you do this. Like, I'm a firm believer that whatever works for you. Now, if someone has a label or not a label, and they have a budget of a million dollars, they can do that, have at it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to knock it if that's what they feel like works for them. You know, but I think it's just like in life, it is uh, imperative that you find what works for you. And this is this is hard because and I, the reason why I say this the way I say it is because <laughs> I have to daily remind myself of that because I'm still I'm still affected by what I see here. I'm like, oh, man, everyone's doing this. It's it's something we're human. Um, and social media has not helped that the whole comparison game of comparing yourself and what they're doing this and they're doing like that and, uh, and so maybe I should try it and see if it works for me all of that you know you you compare yourself and think that maybe you know you should try that tactic because you're seeing that it's working for someone else and so it's just like it's it's literally a tunnel vision thing you have to have tunnel vision not so much to where you're so indulgent where you block out your audience but as it pertains to everyone telling like this is like i said i'm coming from being someone who was a victim of that of having people in both ears telling me what i need to do and me trying to make that work it's like if i could clone myself i have to be like 50 different people to make 50 different people happy only problem is that ain't possible it ain't gonna happen if i could all mesh that person into one to make everyone happy that would be great here again that ain't possible so it's just finding what works for you you know, and, and that's why I say whether it's with a label, without a label, with radio, without radio, if that's what works for you as an artist, then you go about it. But I'm not, don't push that on me and be like, dude, you got to get on radio because I'm not trying to raise a million dollars to get on radio. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, uh, that's yeah. not, I've had people, friends of mine, or, oh my God, I've had plenty of friends who've hired a radio promoter or radio plug or whatever, and they paid shitloads of money. Excuse me, can I cuss on this? Or, well, I, I just did, but you know, anyway. <laughs> they pay a shitload of money to pay these people to get radio airplay, and some of them they barely got some didn't get any. Like it's it's just, and I am not about that. I ain't, I'm not about that life at all. So it's just, you know, with the power of internet radio and. You know, mm-hmm. streaming. There's so many other, like you said, avenues and channels for us to get our music out. If the radio works for you, and there are other stations that are not like that, where they want millions of dollars. I mean, I think when we're talking about that, we're definitely talking more so mainstream top forty. You know, uh, uh-huh. that's why we hear the same songs on the radio all the time, rotating yeah. over and over again, because you have the same labels who have money to spend on major artists. You know, so. Um, that's an interesting perspective. I wanted to just kind of interject and ask you that because uh, that's a discussion that is on the table quite a bit, in, like about radio, you know, because uh-huh. there's still some people like, dude, if I can just get on the radio. Then what? Then right. you got negative a million dollars? <laughs> yeah. Dude, if I can just be in debt for the rest of my life, you know, like, you know, um, but here again, if it works and you have the resources to do it, Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't knock it at all. Anyway. I think, yeah, another, another layer aspect to it is like, who are you trying to reach? Because mm-hmm. radio is a generational technology 
-hmm. that many people are locked into. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that there are 60 and 70 year olds that are adopting novel technologies. They're using Spotify, they're using TikTok. Mm -hmm. But in general, like our generation is gonna be locked into Apple Music, Spotify. So that's how people are gonna discover their music because that's what's most convenient and simple for them. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're trying to reach older demographics that are locked into radio, then yeah, radio's probably much more worthy of your effort and your time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For and me, it depends on, like you said, your demographic, your genre, who you're trying to reach, your audience. Yeah. Um, all that stuff plays a part. Outside of that, um, how do you feel, especially right now, and it's been this way for quite some time, because the consumers, like, uh, you hear people talk about, you know, our attention spans are not long. Like, um, now that if you got a crazy, huge fan base, be, listen, I'm a fan of, I'm a lover of albums. You know, like the Thriller album was one of my favorite albums. Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. the, the Purple Rain album by Prince, the Thriller album, Off the Wall album, you know, um, God, I can't even go into listening to a bunch of, I will be here all day. But just, I mean, countless albums that I could just think of that just changed my life. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I just, yep. uh, Justin Timberlake's first album, you know what I mean? Like, there was more of an appreciation for albums back when. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, what I would ask you, because here again, this is another conversation that stays on the table. Do you think, I mean, you've heard it said, people don't listen to albums more than buy albums anymore. They don't have the attention span. Like, but then again, sometimes if I see an album that has like 16 tracks, I'm like, dude, am I going to listen to all 16 tracks? Or am I going to pick out the ones, you know what I mean? Like, yep. this is what John Mayer said he did with one of his projects. He was like, you know, four song EP, four song EP, like in increments and then an album. Like, do you feel now, but see, he's a major artist. I'm saying for with independent artists, excuse me, who are still in the process of growing their fan base, do you recommend album, EP, or just singles? Because, see, I've never done an album or an EP. I've literally, like I said, I've been a part of album releases as a band member. You know, the corporate band I tour with, you, you know, we put out two albums. Um, I've been a collaborator, collaborating as a, a guest artist on different albums. Uh, I was in a band, we did an EP, but as a solo artist, I've always singles I've, I've said over the years this is going to be the single leading up to the ep or the album or the mixtape whatever but a body of work i've not done it um you know my wedding song i put out last year was supposed to lead to a wedding ep didn't happen you know uh pop song i put out last summer i was like I'm, I'm, i had a, a pop album of dance music you know now so now this where i am now without giving too much away you know i have music but i'm thinking put out a single leading to this because I finally feel like I have the sound that I really, really want. I'm knocking on wood. Yes, my little desk kid's wood, fingers crossed. Um, so it's like, okay, put it on the single and really make a statement. But then people love when you have a body of work and I'm an appreciator. I, I, I'm one who appreciates a body of work, whether it's an EP or a full-length album, if I can appreciate it as a body of work. So I'm going on a rabbit trail here. What, like, as independent artists, like what, 
album, EP, single. Like what for you? You know, for you and then in general, like how you feel with independent artists, like how do you feel about that? You know, because we we love singles. People love it's like, oh, one song because it's quick. 99 cent, three minute song, yes. You put out a whole album of like 16 or 17 songs, uh, you know, like now an EP of four or five songs, okay, we can work with that maybe. I'm just saying like the the public, we, we, we're all affected by this like instantaneous gratification type thing. So it's like, you put out one single, people already say, hey, when you putting out the next one and the next one? Well, go get the, the last one. It just came out, you know, like, and then we can talk about, you know, like they want music all the time. Like they want me and that's, I get it. Cause I'm the same way. If an artist that I like puts out music, I'm like, oh God, I got that. I want to put something else out. Like we are just so mm-hmm. wanting the next thing. Like we're over it. Okay. Had that. What's next? So how do you feel about that? Because I struggle with it. Yeah. I, so for me personally, singles are the best way for me to release music because of people's attention span and i want to go on the record and say this i i have a very bad track record at predicting the future but i remember being in indianapolis which is where i'm from in 2009 and i just started writing songs and i turned to my friend and i said songs are going to keep getting shorter and shorter until they're a minute 20 and songs are going to be a minute 20 and that's going to be optimum length for radio and for everything and the the first whiff that i got of that was old town road because of how short it was how popular it was and it was in their business model too because it was shorter there was less fat in the arrangement so they cut it all out and it makes you want to play it again because it's shorter. Yeah. And so it, it got to that point. The, as a producer, the only reason I would release an EP or, gosh, I don't, I don't know if I would release an album, like anything over eight songs mm-hmm. now, just because f- the only reason I would do that would be for me as a producer to showcase my flow and my ability to connect songs and tell a story over eight songs like i've i've got an ep that's coming out this fall called pride and so in it i just talk about my issues with ego talking about pride talking about good bad whatever the ugly on it and so i've got four songs and that's a very intentional and deliberate project because i feel like they're all held together with that common theme Mm -hmm. but other than that it just doesn't makes sense i don't think to put out anything other than singles make a great single with a great arrangement good flow like get to the point unless you're really holding people captive and their attention with a long introduction mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense get to the meat i love what you said about the fat because i hate that whether it's on ham chicken i hate that. <laughs> Shave it all off and get to the meat. Like this next song, I'm, you know, really considering putting out a single. Like the, the, the intro is so short. Like it's like, you've heard it. It's just right into it. You know what I mean? Um, I think uh, if you have a concept that works for a project, an EP on an album, 
that would, like you said, flows into. See, the other things that I had concept, it just never came together. Like, I was going to do a wedding project. I'm like, well, cool, that's wedding music. You know, um, put out the single. I never, we, scheduling between myself, studio, production, it just didn't work. Then putting out a pop song last summer, it's like, okay, I had a concept for the dance floor EP, just dance music, you know. Um, I have a concept for a project now that's totally different than both of you know, but I feel like the single has to kind of just set the pace. And I feel like one song will give people, um, can make people a bit more hungry to say, okay, we want more music. I was taught you always leave your audience wanting more. And then you give them something that is a body of work, but has some kind of theme and concept to it. That's what makes a lot of those albums so cool is that, like you said, they flow like a movie. Like, and if I feel like if you have a cool concept and the concept that I'm luring, I'm, I don't want to go into it, but the concept that I'm like really stewing over, it's a really cool concept. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh-huh. To me, and I, I think it will be, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I still feel like, should I put that as an EP or should I release? For this sound, which is always my sound, but here again, I've been a chameleon. Put out the one song first to see just how my listeners connect with me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think that's more the route that I'm going to go. Put out the one song that's going to be a representation of what this EP is going to sound like. That I put uh-huh. out with this, you know, even if that that one particular song is not on that EP, just representing that song really see. What people, myself included, don't realize is sometimes with these major labels, how much money is spent to work one record, one song, like to push one Mm -hmm. song, let alone the project, the EP or the album. There's millions of dollars that people put into pushing one song to radio, to everything. Like, it's just really, really pushing one song. And out of all the singles that I've done, you know, I never really pushed it like, you know, pushed it as in like really pushing it out there using the resources just that I have, which obviously are not that of a major label, but like really pushing it to the point where people don't forget like and say, oh, did, didn't you like put out a song or something like last month or whatever? Like, yeah, it's still available, you know, like, <laughs> you know, because people, they're excited about it. The whole buildup, you just released Under the Sun. You did the buildup. You were like, okay. In such and such amount of days, new music, yada, yada, yada. You did all the stuff with you, Victoria, and the bill, like mm-hmm. all the behind, which I thought was great. Um, then the song comes out. Then you do all the aftermath stuff, and it comes out. And it's like you have to still work. It's like once the record's out, it's like the baby's out. It's almost like if you birth the baby, it's like, well, I had the baby. Don't have to take care of it. It's like, <laughs> no. You got to raise it, take care of it, feed it, clothe it, change the diapers. And that's what I feel like when you put out a song. It's like. Okay, birthing it, the nine months, that's the laborious process of getting it together and getting the right sound, the mixing, the mastering, and this, yada, yada, yada. The labor, like the labor of it. And then you have the baby, and it's like, okay, I'm not giving it up for adoption. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got to take care of this baby. You know, like. That is so true. It really is. It really and it, is. It, 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 it's like realizing the commitment to really making sure that a record that's why i think what you're doing with under the sun having different ones with some covers of it is keeping that song on people's radars it's keeping that song like you know because you have so many different takes mm-hmm. on it you know what i mean like uh so yeah working 
a single, like it, it takes work to really to really cut through. Cutting through, oh my God, it's so tough right now mm. because we are saturated. I, what did Spotify say? It's like 40,000 songs that are released a day. Like people have access to- Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. I mean, statistically, like, <laughs> it's just because it, it makes your head hurt, don't it? Like you think everybody, someone's in their room right now releasing- was what is it all these challenges some someone has such a time someone has a song about it people have coronavirus songs right people are and i think it's great because now it's no it's no longer you have to be and pay money to be in this state-of-the-art studio you can release it but the problem is the marketplace is so saturated and oversaturated with music 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 you start to think i mean people if you scroll through instagram and facebook and social media of any kind it's like of even artists you don't know of the sponsors like hey new single coming out new album new even i'm like who are you like everyone has music but then someone's looking at me thinking who the hell are you to think you're, you're releasing music <laughs> it's so much music but this is what i heard <laughs> this is what i heard but listen i'm all, you can tell I listen to these celebrity interviews i've already used kelly clarkson bruno mars i'm about to use Pharrell. because artists i look up to i love kelly clarkson i love bruno i love Pharrell. he said in the interview he was asked that question like how do you stand out like how do, how do we keep Pharrell in our on our phones on our devices like how do we keep you relevant he was like there's it's too he was like, it's, just, it's a twofold answer. He was like, one being uniqueness. Now then, he said, if you see, if you're stuck in traffic on the interstate, what do you, what do you naturally do? You take a different route, you know, or you can just stay stuck in traffic on the interstate. And a lot of people are just stuck in traffic on the interstate because here again, a lot of people want to mm. do the same stuff, and then. You think to yourself, okay, I can take a different route. That can it, it may make it may take longer for me to get to my destination, taking a different route, but at least I won't be stuck in traffic. And that's what I've chosen to do. It's tough because I want to stay on the interstate because it's fun. Everyone's on the interstate, but it's like, man, you got to take a different route, man. You got to take a different route. And I thought that was really powerful when he said that. Like, take a different route, you know, mm-hmm. and see where. See what everyone's doing, and you it, it takes work to try to find ways to be unique because, like I said, we're all so affected by what we see here as consumers. So, he said that's one part of the answer. The second part is the people. He was like, Whether you pay for views and this or whatever, like you're not the one that's all those views aren't you, all those likes aren't you, you're not the one who shares it and, and downloads. It's like the people have to be, and that's going back to the beginning of our conversation people. You have the people have to speak. The music has to resonate with the people. If you think that the club banger is hot for you and you jam into it in the studio and nobody else is, it's just you jam into it in your headphones. Mm-hmm. But the people, you know, and how what speaks to people, they sift it out. You know what I'm saying? What to, it's what you said. Who's your audience? If you got 60 and 70 year olds, go for it. Go after them. Is it the teeny boppers, millennials? Go after them. Whatever your audience is, you have to find that lane and really, really work that thing out. Stay in that lane and maximize it to the fullest potential. Mm. And not, when I ran track, that was my biggest problem, running track all through high school. I ran the hurdles. And my dad would say, you know, uh, um, because he ran track. And so 
and he he will not, you know, parents could do stuff, but I feel like he he remembers if I were to say this to him. It's like, Dad, you remember you told me like if when I ran the hurdles, if the guy next to me used to like hit his hurdle or whatever, I'd like turn and look like he was distracted. And it would slow my time down. Hmm. Um, because I'm so distracted by what's going on in the other lane. Because the hurdles are touching, you know, like the hurdle. So like if some guy hits his hurdle, kinda hits mine, I'm like looking, it's like my dad is just like my dad will be like, dude, just finish line. Don't worry about what he's doing, don't worry about he's even when y'all are getting in your starting block, don't even look at the competition. Hmm. Stay in your lane. Tunnel vision. You have one goal to get to the finish line. Don't look what he's doing, don't look what he's doing, because all that's doing is slowing you down. And that that that's been like I said, I have to steadily remind myself of that. Because mm-hmm. it's so easy to look at what's going on over there? What what they doing? Oh, oh that's the new sound? Okay. That's what I wonder. What's <laughs> oh no, that's the new sound. What they doing over there? Oh, okay. And meanwhile, I'm neglecting my own lane. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's oh. my encouragement to artists is find your lane, because it's so hard to stick out. It's so hard to stand out, you know. Um and you have good, there's so many talented, gifted people. You know what I mean? Cutting through the white noise, cutting through the noise to really cut through, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. So, yeah, I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> this, anything I say, I want nobody to think this like, I'm like this, I don't, I'm, this is for me because I literally, you know, I have to make myself buy into these concepts every day, every single day. Because I'll be like, okay, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And then I'll hear something like, oh, man, I can add a little bit of that. That'll make me, oh, stop, Jermaine. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I do that to myself. So, One, I really love what you mentioned and Pharrell said. You know, if you're stuck in traffic, find a new way. Mm-hmm. I've been really, I've been frustrated by the limitations of arrangement with songs. Like everyone says, get to the chorus within 30 seconds or else they're lost. No one cares. But what, I've, what I'm going to start doing, and I'm going to re-release some of my previous singles with extended versions. Mm-hmm. So it's like an EP of two songs. The first version is the short, like to the point arrangement. And then the mm-hmm. second song on the EP is an extended arrangement where I feel like I can still express my creativity and get it out there mm-hmm. and so that i'm going to be doing that this summer and i'm excited to see the results it's really like doing a scientific experiment throwing something out there seeing what works and what doesn't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think everything you're doing is right honestly i think you know you're doing what works for me you know mm-hmm. um and that's that's what it's about you know like it's uh keeping content flowing, but uh, knowing your limitations, knowing what works, you know, you know, you know, learning your audience. I feel like learning your said audience as an artist, like how long have you been married? Uh, coming up on 10 years. Okay. There are still things that you learned about your wife, even almost 10 years later, correct? <laughs> yep. Yep. She's a mystery. <laughs> and, you, and then you never stop learning like it's literally like that when you're learning your audience and the people that you are trying to reach with your music it's a relationship mm-hmm. you know and i yep. think that if you do a good job of learning it's like 
some some of your artists they okay they like when i post more stuff like this when i post videos of me on stage or backstage or me singing i get people like hey please post more stuff like this it's like okay it's a relationship we learn each other sometimes we're successful mm-hmm. sometimes we don't sometimes i have to remind them like, okay okay you know it's a relationship and when you but that is why we do music and that's what i want to put out there to people is like do it because you love it and do it for the people it's nothing like being able to connect with people through the power of music. And, and like I said, music in a lot of ways has become very indulgent. If you neglect the, the mm-hmm. person you're in a relationship with, you're not gonna have much of a relationship for long. So treat your, treat your followers that way, treat the people that way. Interacting with them and learning them, um, showing them the real you. <laughs> not mm-hmm. presenting something to them that's fake. You know, um, this is me talking to me once again, you know, and we put it out there, but we all deal with this. So I personally think that you do a good job of that. Like with your content mm-hmm. and things that you, you know, you post, I think you do a good job of keeping your audience happy and intrigued and always wanting to know what's coming next. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> I will, speaking on that, one of my favorite artists is The Weeknd. Mm-hmm. And The Weeknd did something that was out of left field, in my opinion. He, you know, he just released this album, but one of the singles was five and a half, six minutes long, called After yes. Hours. And I'm, I'm, I would consider myself a super fan of The Weeknd. So I'm going to listen to like anything that he puts out, even if it's a whole album mm-hmm. of work. And I listened to that single and it has such a nice flow. You can't even tell that it's six minutes because you're listening and everything from the arrangement to the production, it, it feels so seamless in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of those rare exceptions where people can actually do it well. Mm. Like I would listen, I would listen to more six minute songs if they flowed like that. And if it gave me like that sort of response that I had. See, he's just like, screw the rules. I'm not trying to make a song that's going to fit for radio. I'm making mm-hmm. the song is over, song is over. And I respect that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Because there's so many rules nowadays. So many. Um, I, I think that that's very admirable to say it's, it's about he's creating art. And art can be condensed to a minute in some seconds, or art can just be art and just flow, you know, however, accordingly. So, mm-hmm. but see, you like you said, you're a fan, like, you know, so you're a fan, you're like, well, I don't care if it's 10 minutes, whereas some people may be like, <laughs> Oh well, I'm not gonna listen to six. You know what I mean? Like it's like I said, yeah. it's but some people will be for it. Some people who won't be for it. Like you know, I'm intrigued by it. I'm a weekend fan as well. Um, I haven't heard. I won't say I'm like die hard. You know, I've, I've definitely uh, not heard all of his music, but you know, uh, definitely a lot of his songs I've heard and I've, well, I've covered his stuff. Uh, yeah, I can't feel my face. <laughs> I covered I Can't Feel My Face more times than I can count on cover gigs. So, um, but 
<laughs> I think that that's that's cool that he is like you know some people dig it. I think he went into it probably knowing okay this is gonna be some, and it's the single like he went into it knowing mm-hmm. you know like everyone's not gonna dig this but I don't give shit I'm putting it out anyway and I applaud that. So Jermaine, tell us where we can hear your music. Right now, you can you know you can find me on Apple Music. Uh, yeah, iTunes definitely all your streaming platforms. I do have music out there. There's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. Several things I've done collaboration wise, but I do have some music that um you can go on YouTube and hear music. Uh, um, you can follow me on all my platforms, uh, social media, Instagram, Facebook. It's here in my name, nothing special. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. <laughs> um, uh, I've yet joined the TikTok community. We'll see. I'm always a latecomer to every platform. I've kind of intentionally not joined TikTok. I wonder how long that'll last. I'm not interested. Right. I'm I'm very entertained by watching other people's TikTok, but I'm just not. For now. Of course, I was like that with Instagram, Facebook, and everything. I was like, ah, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and then I did. <laughs> so, we'll see. But you can find me, you know, you Google me and you'll you'll find all that stuff and like i said i'm working on some stuff this mm-hmm. year which makes me excited you know the music continues it just never stops you know the wheels never stop turning this conversation has really helped me see it helps me to talk with other musicians about this type of stuff it really yeah does. Mm-hmm. so thank you for doing this because we need more of this kind of stuff just to talk out and and hearing everyone's journey you know what i mean like that's why i said this is my journey so a lot of things i say may not apply to someone else and you know what i'm saying but you can only speak from your perspective and what you've encountered in your journey that's the beauty of it but no matter what we can still glean from each other's uh path you know you walk a very different path than me but i can glean from your journey and something you know um but the thing that binds us together is we all have a story and we're all, you know, music is, is, is the glue that binds us all together, you know? So I, I appreciate stuff like this. We need more of it, especially in Chattanooga. Hmm. Heard. All right, man. Well, I love you. Love you as well. I appreciate you. And hmm. um, this is great. You're doing, this is a good thing you're doing. So 